just do that. I thought y'all knew that. Y'all not praying in the Holy Ghost? <laughs> See, you should have been praying in the Holy Ghost. He would have told you he's going to Ephesians chapter 5. All right, Ephesians 5, and we're going to read verses 1 through um, 7. We'll read verses 1 through 7. Y'all have that? All right, let's read together. Ready, read. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma, but fornication and all uncleanness, or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. Do not be partakers with them. I want to talk today on the subject, what is fitting for saints? The question, what is fitting for saints? Father God, thank you today for the word that we're about to receive. I pray, Father, that you just anoint me. I need your anointing today. I need your grace. I need your power. I need your boldness, your courage to minister to your word, your word to your people today, Father. And I pray that every person will be in a position to hear and receive the word with meekness because it's able to save our souls. And let the word that you send today produce in our lives the kind of lives that is fitting for the saints, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right, take your seats today. What is fitting? What is fitting for saints. We've established the fact uh, over the last uh, few Sundays here that Jesus Christ didn't come to launch another religion, right? Like Buddhism, like uh, Islam, like Judaism, like Hinduism, and so forth, or all of our uh, African religions. But rather he came to restore a perfect fellowship between God and mankind. Right? Remember that fellowship was broken in the Garden of Eden. We looked at that last week, right? In fact, you remember that's where we first saw religion established in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve tried to cover themselves rather than, than God covering them. That's religion, okay? And so uh, we, uh, we've, we've uh, defined uh, for our sake religion as this. Man's attempt to justify and perfect himself. Religion, again, is man's attempt to justify and perfect himself. Say it, say it with me. Religion is man's attempt to justify and perfect himself. Now, we know religion doesn't work. Religion does not work. God is not about religion. And so if you are born again, be happy because you're not part of a religion. Glory to God. You're in a relationship with Father God through his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen? So Jesus Christ didn't come to bring religion. He came to build the church. You remember that? In fact, in Matthew chapter 16, uh, let's look at that. Matthew 16, please. Glory to God. Let's, let's prove this. 
Matthew 16, and I'm going to begin reading at verse 13. Matthew 16, verse 13. Glory to God. When you get there, say amen. All right, that's three people. When you get there, say amen. amen. All right, Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. I'm waiting on everybody else to find it. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Okay, Matthew 16, verse 13. It says, when Jesus came into the region of Chechapot, I'm, I'm just messing with my wife. I, I went with my wife and I, we were, I think we were still dating, weren't we, at that time? And uh, this pre-marriage dating here. And we were, we were, I went to visit her church. You got to come visit my church. Amen. All right, I'm going to visit your church. And I uh, went there, and they were having a revival. <laughs> and this preacher's preaching, and he kept seeing that word Caesarea Philippi and kept calling it Chechapi. I said, Chechapi? What in the world is Chechapi? I said, Lord Jesus. What kind of church is this? I rescued you. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. All right. Praise the Lord. So when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he no, it wasn't her pastor. It was somebody else, the guest pastor. Amen. He asked his disciples, saying, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? What's your revelation of me? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the, 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 the Christ. Okay? That's, that's a definite article. The Christ. The son of the living God. Verse 17. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not, what? Revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. So Simon had a revelation. Okay? Verse 18. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Notice he didn't say I will bring religion. He said, on this rock, on this revelation that you've received, that I am the Christ, I am the anointed one, I am the Messiah that they have been looking for for hundreds of years. On this revelation, I, on this foundation, I will build my church. So Jesus Christ didn't come to bring religion. He came and built a church. Furthermore, let me just add this, and the gates of hell or Hades, it says here, shall not prevail against it. So the forces of wickedness, the forces of darkness can never defeat the church. Tell your neighbor, the church is not going anywhere. We're on the rise. We're not on the downside. We're on the uprise. Amen? Because the gates of hell cannot defeat the church. Amen? All right, so Jesus Christ didn't come to build, to, to uh, bring religion. He came to build the church, right? Okay, now that word church there in uh, Matthew 16, verse 18, is the Greek word, word ekklesia. How many of y'all ever heard the word ekklesia? Okay, I better explain it because there are only a few hands up. Ekklesia, ekklesia is a compound of the word ek, which means to uh, out of or from, by, away from, and the derivative of the, word, of the word kaleo, which means to call, invite, or to name. It literally means called out ones. So the church is 
the called out ones. Called out of what? Called out of the world. So if you're born again, if you're in church, you ought to be happy today. You're in church. You're born again because God called you out of the world. Y'all hear this here? God called you out. Everybody say, God called me out. You didn't just come to church because of your, of your own accord. You understand that? You didn't just get born again because it thought it, you thought it was a good idea. It's because God has called you out. Well, are you saying, Pastor, he hasn't called other people out? No, he's calling everyone. He's calling everyone. But you responded to the call. Oh, glory to God. You answered the phone call. Praise God. Now, look at Romans chapter 8 real quick. Romans 8. Keep going just over a few books here toward the back of the Bible. Romans chapter 8. Verse 28, it says here, this, this is what happened with, with you, you, all, you and I, we're called. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. How many of y'all were called? All right, good, you got it. For whom, verse 29, for whom, this is the process, for whom he foreknew, that means knew ahead of time, he also predestined, to be conformed to the image of his son, to become just like Jesus. This is a religion. This is a relationship that brings on an identification with Jesus Christ our Savior. Okay? That he might be the firstborn among many, what? Brethren. So we're part of a family. Oh, you missed that. In, in Islam, they're part of a religion. In Hinduism, they're part of a religion. In, 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 uh, in, every, in, in Buddhism, they're part of a religion. They're part of organizations. But you and I are not part of an organization. You and I are part of a family. In fact, we are part of an organism. Oh, y'all missed that. <laughs> That's all they are. Islam, an organization. Hinduism, an organization. Buddhism, an organization. Any other religion, an organization. But we are an organism called the body Come on, we are part of the body of Christ. Jesus himself is the head. We are his body. We're part of an organism, a living, breathing, moving, functioning, powerful, victorious, overcoming force in this planet. They can have religion. I don't have time for religion. And the problem is many people in church are still stuck in religion. Many people in church right now on Sunday morning only see themselves and know themselves to be part of a religion. That's why they don't have any power. That's why the Bible talks about to beware of those who in the end have a form. Come on, y'all know the word. Have a form of godliness. That's religion. But denying the what? Power thereof. See, there's supposed to be some power in what we have. Organisms have power. Glory to God. In him we live. In him we move. In him we have our being. Y'all with me on this here. So he became the firstborn among, among many brethren. Verse 30. Give me verse 30 amplified. Let's, 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 let, me, let me go right, right to the amplified on this. Y'all remember this from Wednesday nights, right? There y'all go. That was the Wednesday night response right there. Y'all remember this from Wednesday nights, right? Don't y'all handle me today. Verse 30. Those whom he thus foreordained, he also called. See, this is the process. He also called. And those whom he called, he also did what? 
justified, acquitted, made righteous, putting them into right standing with himself. So you and I, the fact that God called us, he's also justified us. Everybody say, I've been justified. I've been acquitted. Y'all know what acquitted means. Acquitted means I was brought to trial, accused of an action. And you and I know the truth, we were guilty as charged. But the judge looked at our defense attorney, Jesus, his own son. And rather than penalizing us, the defense attorney says, no, Father, I've already served their sentence. When I went, oh, my God, when I went up on Calvary's cross and they hung me high and they stretched me wide, I served their sentence. So the judge threw down his gavel and said, time served. You're free to go. We've been acquitted. Everybody say, I've been acquitted. Say, come on, tell the truth. I was guilty. But I've been acquitted. I did what they said. Yeah, I did it. I ain't gonna lie. I ain't gonna lie. I was guilty as charged. They caught me red-handed. It's all on video. But still, I was acquitted. Made righteous, and I was put into right standing with God. I'm in the right standing. Oh, my God. See, religion doesn't get that. In religion, they, they keep trying to work and keep, keep talking about, you know, I'm just a worm. And, you know, God, I'm just, I'm, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy and stuff. No, no. When, when you're in, in the family of God, you say, I've been put in the right standing. That means I can stand before God. I can come boldly before his throne of grace at any time. Amen? Then it says, and those whom he justified, he also glorified. Y'all remember this Wednesday night crew? Raising us to a heavenly dignity and condition or state of being. So that's what's happened to us. We have been called out. We are the called out. We are the church. You understand? The church is not four walls. It's not a pastor, deacons, and pews, and people. We're a body all over this planet functioning. Amen? All right, now, so last week we were in Ephesians 5. Go back to Ephesians 5, please. We were, we were in Ephesians 5, 25 to 27. I preached on the sanctified church. Y'all remember the sanctified church? How many of y'all grew up in what was called a sanctified church? All right, anybody? Okay, just a handful of you. <laughs> the rest of y'all didn't grow up in a sanctified church. What y'all grew up in? A Baptist church? Or Catholic church? Or Methodist church? Free Methodist church? And United Methodist Church and African Methodist Church and Christian Methodist Church. Yeah, we had CME, AME, UMC, all that kind of stuff. AMC theaters, all that kind of stuff. Boy, y'all. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, I grew up in a sanctified church, the grand old church of God in Christ. You cannot join and you got to be born in. Grand old church of God in Christ. <laughs> Amen. I enjoyed it. I loved it. I still love church of God in Christ to this day. Amen. I still put on some good, 
Good G. Patterson music today. Shata Baha. I still know the Kojic National Anthem. Yes. Yes. Boy, you want to wreck a church, boy. You just, yes. Yeah. One word, yeah. Yeah. Yes, Lord. Oh, ah. Hata. Yes, Lord. Woo. Satabala. Yes, Lord. That's me. I'm sorry. It's still in me. And I'm not really trying to get rid of it. I like it. I like it. I like it. I'm still sanctified. Holy Ghost filled. Fire baptized. I've got Jesus on my mind. And I'm running for my life. <laughs> Glory to God. So we talked about the sanctified church. Y'all sit down. And so we saw in Ephesians 5, verse 25, let's get, let's get back on it. Ephesians 5, 25, says, husbands, love your wives. That's good right there by itself, isn't it? I said, that's good right there by itself, isn't it? Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church. Here's how you love your wife, and gave himself for her, okay? That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. So, what Jesus Christ did for the church was loved her, gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her. So what I showed you last week is that you and I, we're all sanctified. It doesn't matter if you went to First Baptist, Second Baptist, Third Baptist, whatever, you, you are, we're all sanctified. We made a difference by music and, and hairstyles and length of dress and skirts and all that kind of stuff like that. But in, if you're born again, you are in the sanctified church. There's only one church. There's only one church. And it's a sanctified church. Hand clapping, no, foot stomping, talking. Okay, all right. Yeah, we used to sing that song. This is a holy church, sanctified church. Hand clapping, foot stomping, tongue talking, Pentecostal church of God in Christ. See, y'all, they have your own theme music. We had our own theme music. See, y'all never got personalized. We had personalized songs. Custom songs, praise the Lord. All right? So Jesus Christ, notice again what happened. He sanctified. He sanctified the church. You got it? Okay? He cleansed the church. The church is sanctified. Everybody say sanctified. sanctified. That means set apart. That's what it means. He's set apart. Remember the church, the ecclesia, were called out. So we're called out and set apart. You understand that? You understand how in your home you have certain uh, items in your home that um, uh, it might be a, be, be, a, be a plate, but it's a special plate. Maybe you got it for your, for your wedding and it's, it's, a, it's a china set. You, you set that apart. You understand that? Certain glasses you set apart, certain jewelry you have. You know, a, lot, a lot of y'all women, you have a lot, an abundance of costume jewelry. But then you might have something called custom jewelry. Costume and custom aren't the same. They're spelled different. They look the same, but they're not the same. And that custom or real jewelry, you set it apart. 
When he comes to make up his jewels, they shall be mine, says the Lord. So God has called us out and set us apart. We're a special people. You understand? We're God's own special treasure. Your Bible says we are a peculiar, not weird like idiots, but peculiar in the sense that we are strange to this world. You got it? Tell your neighbor, don't be strange. Don't be weird. Just be different. Are you hearing that? All right, so the church has been set, up, set apart. Now, give me verse 26, Ephesians 5, 26 media. Please give me that in the Amplified Bible, please. Ephesians 5, 26 in the Amplified Bible. All right? Let's see what it says here. Ephesians 5 and 26. And uh, we're going to go Amplified. Now, look what it says here. So that, I want you all to see this, how it's written. So that he might sanctify her, having cleansed. Do you see the difference already? Having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. Got it? So remember what I told you what sanctify means? Set apart. So now it makes more sense to us so that he might sanctify her having cleansed. Right? Okay. You're you're missing me, I think. All right. Any of y'all ever have dirty dishes? Any of y'all... Wash them yourself as opposed to using a dishwasher sometimes. I know y'all modern day folk, y'all use dishwasher all the time. But some of us still wash dishes from time to time. Right? Okay. And what you do is all the dishes in, in, the, in the sink, they're dirty. Right? Okay. So do you set them apart first or do you wash them first? You wash them first. Right? Okay, now remember, here, here's what I, I, I heard say. You said a proper. Now, they're all dirty to start. But then, and they're not set apart because they're all dirty. So you don't need to separate anything because they're all dirty. But once I wash, I don't put it back with the dirty. Once I wash it, I now set it apart. Because I don't want what the dirty has on it to get on the clean. Because the clean won't make the dirty clean, but the dirty will make the clean dirty. Did y'all catch that? Okay. The, the clean won't make the dirty clean, but the dirty will make the clean dirty. So the Bible says, he, we, we, that it says having cleansed. So we have been cleansed, and as a result, or after we have been cleansed, now we have been set apart. So that we don't get dirty anymore. Y'all got it? All right, let's keep on going. We're going to work our way through this here today. Okay, so having cleansed her uh, by the washing of water with the word. All right, now, religion, I want you to go find Matthew 23 while I'm talking. Religion only concerns itself with the exterior. Religion only concerns itself with the external Appearance with works. Tell you that, but you're not in a religion. religion. Tell them you're in the church. church. Glory to God. People still singing, give me that old time religion. Give me that old time religion. Give me that old time religion. It's good enough for me. Wrong. You don't want old time religion. You don't want new time religion. You don't want religion at all. 
religion is not what Jesus Christ came to establish. <laughs> he came to build a church. Glory to God. Now, I think I understand what people are trying to say. I think I understand what they're trying to say. But uh, we probably got to find a different way of saying it. Amen. All right, now, Matthew 23, I want to show you something here. Because Jesus Christ could easily identify religion. Because he was anti-religion. And religion is anti-Christ. Well, that was heavy right there. He was anti-religion. And religion is anti-Christ. Remember I told you last week that all religion is humanism. That's anti-Christ. Okay? Religion kills the anointing. Religion killed the anointed one. Does everybody understand that? It was the religious group that killed Jesus Christ. Because they hated him because he was anti-religion. And they were anti-Christ. Thus they killed him. Glory to God. All right, Matthew 23. And let's look at verse 13 through 15. 13 through 15. Now this is Jesus talking. It's in red in my Bible. Is it red in your Bible? Okay. Which means it's Jesus talking. And he, notice who he's talking to. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. We can summarize that as religious bunch. Okay, everybody who's a Bible uh, student, you, know, you understand this is the religious group. Okay. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Jesus just cut right to the quick, didn't he? he, I mean, this, is, he this isn't a letter he's writing to them. This isn't an email. This is not by text. He's in their face. What up, hypocrites? <laughs> this is in their face, man. Jesus was gangster, man. I mean, golly. We got this Hollywood soft Jesus. No, Jesus was gangster, bro. I'm telling you. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you old hypocrites. Let me, just, let me just give you this real quick. Let me give you what, that word hypocrites, what it means. I had to look it up. It literally means actor, stage player, pretender. Actor, stage player, or pretender. That's what it literally means here in, in, if you look it up in the Greek. Phonies. <laughs> so remember, he's dealing with who? The religious people. Okay, now let's, let's, let's go now. But what are you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites? For you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. This is what religion does. Shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For you neither go in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. You don't go in, and you don't let other people go in. Woe to you. Here's the next one. This is another, another woe. This is what religion does. Religion keeps people out of the kingdom of heaven. Religion wants to gather people in church but they never experienced the kingdom of God. Verse 14. Want to see some more religion? Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. God, he's just going to keep hitting them. For you devour widows' houses. Means you take up all the widows' uh, funds. And for a pretense, for a pretense, you're pretending Make long prayers. 
I prayed five hours. Not because the Holy Ghost was inspiring you, but because, you know, when people watch me, I got to make sure I pray long enough. All we want to do is just bless the food, man. Just bless the food. We ready to eat. <laughs> Y'all have been there? Thanks Thanksgiving and, you know, or Sunday dinner or whatever it is. And, you know, we got this food. You know, it's smelling good. And you praying for Auntie Betty and them and Mama and them. And, I mean, you down like, wow, man, just bless this food so we can eat. Glory to God. He says, you make long prayers, therefore you will receive what? Greater condemnation. So religion, they pretend. Making long prayers. All right, look at verse 15. Want another one? Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. God, man. Watch this. For you travel land and sea. To win one proselyte or one convert. That's what a proselyte is. It's a convert. He says, and when he is one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. Sounded to me like he calling them sons of hell. Y'all sons of hell. Jesus is, I mean, he is just. See, y'all, some of y'all couldn't handle Jesus, the real Jesus. Oh, Jesus. You no, know, you couldn't handle real Jesus. He'd call you a son of hell. Is that what he's calling somebody right here? He said, and you make them twice as much as sons of hell as you are. As you are. In other words, make sure y'all know I know you sons of hell. <laughs> You're the devil's children, Lord have mercy. Jesus is just straight up. But that's what religion does. Religion can, gets, gets converts and gets them stuck in religion. This is what, what it happens here. All right, let's, let's do a couple more here. Uh, 23, verse 23. Let's drop down to that one, 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. He says, for you pay tithes of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. He says, so, oh, yeah, you got tithing down because you're religious. But you forget the works of righteousness. Justice, mercy, and faith. He says these, what's the these? Justice, mercy, and faith. You ought to have done without leaving the others undone. So he didn't throw tithing out. This is just somebody who's thinking that. No, he, he said, no, make sure you do these weightier things don't leave tithing out. But don't, but don't be tithing and think, well, that's it. I've done my part. That's religion. That's religion. All right, I'll keep going from that one. Y'all don't like that one. All right, 24. Blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. Y'all know what gnats are. Some of y'all from Georgia. <laughs> Or Lakeland or somewhere like that, Palmetto, <laughs> Rubonia. Blind guys who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. Verse 25. Now watch, watch. We're getting closer here. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. 
mean, by now, they hypocrite it out, ain't they? <laughs> For you cleanse, here's the key, watch, watch religion. You cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are, the cup is representing you, full of extortion and self-indulgence. You clean the outside, that's religion. Religion cleans the outside, but don't deal with what's real on the inside. Somebody say, I'm not religious. Verse 26, blind Pharisee, blind Pharisee. He said, first cleanse the inside of the cup and dish that the outside of them may be clean also. Clean the inside first that the outside may be clean also. So in other words, what he says is, if you clean the outside, clean the inside first, the outside takes on that cleanness. Did y'all catch, you, this is important that you catch this. So what happens on the inside determines what happens on the outside. In other words, this thing doesn't work from outside in, it works from the inside out. But religion makes it backwards. Religion works only on the outside, trying to make the inside right. But relationship with God makes the inside right first, so the outside demonstrates or, or shows what's happened on the inside. We used to sing this song back in my sanctified church. Something on the inside. Working on the outside. Oh, what a change in my life. Y'all know that song? I got Jesus on the inside, working on the outside. Holy Ghost on the inside, working on the outside. The Word is on the inside, working on the outside. Oh, what a change. But what happens if you try to work from the outside in, it is ineffective. It is like Adam and Eve trying to cover themselves with fig leaves. Remember that from last week? Remember last week? They cover themselves with fig leaves, but the problem with fig leaves is that once they're disconnected from the tree, they wither away. So every week they would have to put on a new covering, a new covering, a new covering. That's religion. Are y'all get church to church, denomination to denomination? I'm, I'm going to find what's right. You're trying, you're trying to find whatever works. No, no, no. If you just settle your saddle, get in here and let God put something on the inside of you, it will change everything on the outside of you. Oh, praise God, praise God. Oh, Lord. Y'all got that? So verse 26, blind Pharisee first cleansed the inside of the cup and dish that the outside of them may be clean also. Verse 27, he's not done. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. <laughs> They going off. Jesus clicked. Y'all ever seen that TV show Snapped? Jesus snapped on that, on that boy. <laughs> Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. You got the tomb all decorated. This is so beautiful. But on the inside, it's dead men's bones. And all uncleanness. Verse 28, we'll stop here. Even so, you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you are full of hypocrisy 
and lawlessness. Man, that y'all can read this. I mean, he got he got a few more hypocrites too down there. But <laughs> praise God, that's enough right there. All right. So again, you and I have been sanctified on the inside. This is what Jesus Christ did. Remember, uh, Ephesians five twenty six amplified. He gave himself for the church that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her. Sanctify, set apart, having cleansed. So you understand your process? Does everybody understand their process? So you have been cleansed on the inside. So you now can be sanctified on the outside. You got it? This is so easy, man, when you get this here. You, I, I, I'm telling you today, if you get this, you'll never struggle with sin again. You'll never struggle with, can I do this or can I not do this? You'll know, I can do this. Because something has already happened to me on the inside. Glory to God. All right, now, 1 Corinthians 6. So we've been sanctified. Everybody say, I've been sanctified. sanctified. Say, I have been cleansed. Okay, 1 Corinthians 6. We're going to get as far as we can today in our time, all right? 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9. Okay? Now, we were here last week. This is, I just want to, want to solidify this for us. 1 Corinthians nine, uh, 6, rather, verse 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. So Jesus Christ, or rather here, Paul, speaking, says, do not be deceived. That means it's possible to be deceived, right? That's why he says, don't be deceived. In other words, they're gonna have, you're going to have an opportunity to be deceived. There's going to come along information meant to deceive us. Okay, so don't be deceived. <clears throat> he says, verse, uh, I'm still in this same verse, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, verse 10, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. So it makes sense then that information will come along to try to deceive us into thinking that that's not true. But it is true because God said so. The Bible is the only inspired word of God, right? Okay, so we can't change it and laws can't change that, okay? All right, now, but again, here's what I want you and I to see here. Verse 11, and such were some of you. Y'all remember that? So we were in that same category. We were in verses 9 and 10. All of us, when we were born again, we were, we were found in verse 9 and 10. Nobody, God didn't save anybody who was already saved. He, come on now, you don't clean something that's already clean. Jesus said, I didn't come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. So all of us were born in sin. Every one of us. Look at your neighbor and say, you were too. All right, so before you think you all, you know, big timing, you were born in sin. Okay? I know you were cute and, you know, big dimples and everything, but you were born in sin. Okay? So of, of such were some of, some of you, but we were washed... You were sanctified, but you were, what? Justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. So again, we're part of a sanctified church. Give me verse 11, please, in the Amplified Bible. Verse 11, Amplified. I want you to see this here. And such some of you were once. Once. I used to be. But you were washed clean. Washed clean. Purified 
by a complete atonement for sin and made free from the guilt of sin. Isn't that good? So you and I don't have to be guilty anymore. We don't even have to feel guilty anymore. Glory to God. You ever done something? Has the devil ever tried to make you feel guilty for stuff you used to do? He will. He'll try to come and make you feel guilty still for things you already been freed and washed from. But he's a lie telling him to shut up and go back to hell. He says, and you were consecrated, set apart. That we use here sanctified in the New King James. But here, consecrated, set apart, hallowed. That word hallowed is what we mean, means to make holy. Okay? And you were justified, pronounced righteous by trusting in the name of, of the Lord, Jesus Christ, and in the Holy Spirit of our God. Got it? So I'm sanctified now. Okay? Jesus made me a saint. That's what I taught you on last week. I'm a saint now. I'm not trying to become a saint. I am a saint. Glory to God. And as long as I stay on this path, I'll always be a saint. Okay? Now, I want you to get this here. My lifestyle, your lifestyle, doesn't produce sanctification. But my sanctification produces my lifestyle. I'll give you a moment to write that down. My lifestyle doesn't produce my sanctification. My sanctification produces my lifestyle. Everybody understand you have a lifestyle? You have, you have everybody understand what style is? Some of y'all don't understand what style is. <laughs> don't crack, Pastor. Okay, I'm not going to crack. Y'all understand what style is? Everybody has their own style. Amen. If, if you were going to say, you know what? Uh, I'm going to buy Pastor uh, 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 a shirt for his birthday. Okay. Right? You know, you know better than to go buy Pastor. <laughs> y'all, okay, y'all got it. <laughs> Some shirt with all kind of crazy bars and everything and all that. You know, you know, that, you know that's not Pastor's wow. style. So every one of us understands what our style is. So you and I have a lifestyle. There's a way we live. There's there's an expected um, order of our lives. Right? Okay. So my lifestyle won't produce sanctification, but my sanctification will produce a lifestyle. That's what I want to talk about today in the few minutes I have left. We'll, We'll get into a little bit today, all right? So there's a lifestyle that the Bible calls fitting, fitting for saints. Okay? In other words, there is a way sanctified people live. Well, I'm trying to help them, Lord. This where they, where they shut down on me? This way, this way y'all going to shut down on me right here? Okay. <laughs> There's a way sanctified people live. I'm, this 2018, Pastor, you can't say that. There's a way sanctified people live. Pastor, it's a new day. You know, things have changed. We got Twitter lives now. There's a way sanctified people live. Pastor, laws have changed. Things have changed. Our views have changed. We've evolved and other things. No, there is still a way, according to the Bible, that sanctified people live. 
There's a lifestyle that the Bible calls fitting for saints. Glory to God. Again, it doesn't make me sanctified, but it reflects my sanctification. Now, Ephesians 5, let's go back here, our main scripture. We'll get started with it at least today. Ephesians 5, and hopefully you'll come back next week. Ephesians 5, <clears throat> verse 1 through 7. And this is going to show us, just, just in, a, in a sort of a, a brief, succinct way here, the lifestyle of the saints. Okay? Ephesians 5, 1 through 7. We read it already, right? So let's, let's break it down here. Ephesians 5, 1 through 7. And let's start and look at verse uh, 1 and 2. Verse 1 and 2. Uh, switch to the Amplify for me, please. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 in the Amplify. Glory to God. It says, therefore be imitators of God, copy him, and follow his example. So God has a lifestyle. The Bible tells me to copy him and follow his example. I need to know how God lives. Here's one way in particular, the, mo the highest way, as well-beloved children imitate their father. That's what well-beloved children do. They imitate their fathers. Remember I told you the other night that fathers are the, are the glory of their children? Okay. Verse 2, and walk in love. So here's the way we imitate God. Here's the lifestyle of the saint. Primarily, number one, walk in love esteeming and delighting in one another as Christ loved us, there it is again, and gave himself up for us. So one thing we understand that the lifestyle of the saint is that we walk in love. Right? And walking in love means that I don't just say I love, but love does something. Notice we've read here already that, that he loved and gave himself. So love gives. Everybody say love gives. Look at your neighbor and say, love gives. love gives. Husbands, look at your wife. Wife, look at your husband. If you've got to find them across the room and say, love gives. Love gives. Love does not take. Love gives. Love sacrifices. In fact, we're in Ephesians 5, right? If, remember we read in Ephesians 5, verse 25? Ephesians 5, 20, 25. Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, so love always gives. Let me just tell you this. Here's just a little dating tidbit. If when you're dating, the other person never gives, they're not ready to be a husband. Say it again, Pastor. If there, if while you're dating... He never gives. Then he's not prepared to be a husband. And I've already taught you this a few weeks ago that a husband ought to already be showing him a himself to be a husband before he becomes your husband. I don't mean somebody else's husband. I'm talking about he ought to show that he that he's he knows how to be the husband over something. One way to do is if, if his mama's still around, check his mama. If he don't give his mama, he ain't worth nothing. Okay. Keep on moving, Pastor. I will. I will. I'm moving on. Okay. Well, that's just for the husbands. No, 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 no. Now, remember, we're all now as dear children. 
So love always gives. So that means a girlfriend. You can't always be the one taken. Now here come the men. The men want to root, root, root. Yeah, now because sometimes you got to give too. Okay? I'll let y'all figure that out. All right for yourself. Okay? John 3.16. Give me John 3.16, please. John 3.16. Glory to God. For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world that he gave. His only begotten son. Okay? So love always gives. Okay? Can I give you one more? Uh, this is John 3.16. Give me 1 John 3.16. 1 John 3.16. Okay? This is the smaller John's at the end of the Bible. 1 John 3.16. Let's see. Okay? By this we know love. Where is the love? By this we know love. Because... He laid down his life for us. In other words, he gave for us. That's how we know his love, because he laid down his life. He gave for us. And we also, and we also, come on, ought to lay down our lives. So you can't tell somebody, I love you, and never give. Never sacrifice anything of yourself. Glory to God. Amen, amen, amen. And sacrifice means, sacrifice means, listen to this, sacrifice means you don't want to do it, necessarily. My wife, boy, asks me to do some things, boy, sometimes I do not want to do. Am, am I right about that? We can talk, we can see, the, they ain't going to say nothing. He ain't going to say, he not gonna, they not going to say anything. But we can talk. Some things I just don't, I don't do not want to do that. That's, I don't want to do that. But I have to do it because I love her. So I have to sacrifice. Oh. Amen. Come on now. I'm trying to help a few husbands around here. Glory to God. Amen, amen, amen. Okay, let me ask this question. Did there come a point in Jesus' life that he didn't want to do this? Remember when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane? And he said, Father, we can get around this. Let this cup pass for me. I don't want to go through this. He saw the bitterness of that cup. He said, I want to do this. He said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Love will make a sacrifice. That's real love. We'll make a sacrifice. Y'all got it? Okay, let's keep going. I got a few minutes left here. Just a few minutes. Just a few minutes. Okay, so we're back in Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5. Glory to God. I just, I just think 
You know, we, we every once in a while hitting this marriage and relationship issue. I just think we can make this world a better place and marriage will be more solid and stronger if we just understood sacrifice and service. Sacrifice and service. Sacrifice and service. Sacrifice and service. That's the two key ingredients to a healthy and successful marriage is sacrifice and service. Though, and they are both the fruit of love. Of real love. And can I, I'm going to just throw this out there too. Just throw this out there too since I'm in this vein. Then we're going to go to Ephesians 5. And if you're trying to get that from a person who's not born again, good luck. Because Romans 5, verse 5 says, the love of God, the God kind of love, is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. So the Holy Ghost is the one who gives a person this kind of love. So when you're trying to find that from somebody who doesn't have the Holy Ghost, you just, you grasping at straws, baby. And he might do it two weeks because it's close to tax time. And you know you're about to get your tax check. Boy, I just, I just busted somebody's bubble right there. Because he knows it's tax time. And you're going to buy him some brand new, some brand new J's. He's going to get some brand new J's on your, on your dime. But when that time is over, he go back to himself. Because real love is poured in our hearts by the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. And that's where that comes from. I'm tired of being frustrated. I'm tired of going through this over and over again. Well, drop that zero and find you a hero in the body of Christ who's saved and Holy Ghost filled. We stumbled on, I'm just, <clears throat> we stumbled on a video the other day, this, this, this uh, young, this young girl, man, in this video, she was, she was dating a minor league baseball player, he was a major league prospect, in other words, in a major league organization system, and uh, on the video, they were caught in the, in the back stairway of the stadium, and he is whooping her tail, I mean, whooping her tail, just like, like, pimp the prostitute, just backhand. I just, I mean, knocking her down, knocking her glasses off. They take, then he, he go, nice, pick the glasses up and put the glasses back on and everything. And all I saw was, in her hand, she's carrying this big purse. I said, you willing to get your tail whipped for a purse? Probably looked pleather, it did, it did. But, think she got something. Oh, no, but he really loves me. No. Love doesn't strike. Love sacrifices. Don't tell somebody you love them and you keep putting your hands on them. I better say it again for somebody in this room or listening online, don't tell somebody you love them and you keep putting your hands on them. You ain't nothing but a, but a sorry punk. A little boy who can't control his emotions. 
A little boy. You know, man, you're a boy. A preschooler. Preschoolers can't control their emotions. You're a preschool boy. You ought to get in the sitting with some blocks and play with some blocks somewhere, a little toy truck. Talking about you love. You don't love anybody. Jesus Christ loved so much, he let people strike him to save his woman. Y'all didn't catch what I said. He let people strike him to save his woman. The church is his woman. When a man loves a woman, he boy. Before I let the devil have my woman, I'm going to give my own life. I'll let them beat me. I'll let them whip me. I'll let them piss me in the side. I'll let them nail me in my hands because I'm going to protect my woman. That's what love looks like. Tell your neighbor, that's what love looks like. Let me, let, me, let me quickly give you a couple of these and then I'll pick the rest up next week. No, I just need the people to know that. Okay, I, I better say this, yes, Lord. And, and, and this, this, now this, this, this is to help somebody. And if you're a man in this room or watching online and you're in that case and you need help, we can help you. If you need help, we can help you. The Bible says be angry and sin not. So Jesus is not um, ignorant about anger. We all get angry at sometimes, at some, some things. But by the power of the Holy Ghost, we know how to handle it. Glory to God. We know how to, how to let a soft answer turn away our wrath. Glory to God. It's a real issue now. Thank you, Lord. All right. Y'all used up all my time. Yeah. Yeah. That's what love does, man. Glory to God. Yeah, that's right. That's right, Pastor Kim. Women, keep your hands off these men, too. Keep your hands off these men. You go putting your hands on them and then don't want them to put their hands on you. I know that's right, Pastor. That's right. That's right. Keep your hands off them. Don't go beating on, but he bigger than me. It doesn't matter. Yeah, don't, don't, yeah. Yeah, don't, don't, don't put your hands on him. 
Man, y'all, y'all can't take my time. Yeah, you got, you got you to gotta fix that. Even in preschool, they learn these hands are not for hurting. These are helping and healing hands. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Because he is bigger than you. And he's supposed to treat you as the weaker vessel. But you'll find out he's stronger than you for a reason. Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to legitimize what goes on. I just understand there's cause and effect. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> All right, let me just read this, la- this part here because it's one, two, three, four, and we're all good. All right, 1234 is what time it is here in uh, St. Petersburg, Florida. Okay, let me, let me just read for you uh, verse 3. Verse 3. And give me verse 3 amplified, please. Because I've, I've showed you first thing that fits is, is love. Okay, we got caught up on that. I'll get to this. We'll finish this next week. But let's, let me just preview what does not fit. What does not fit. Because there are things that don't fit. There's a TV show it used to be on, I don't know if it's still on, called What Not to Wear. Any of y'all have heard of that? There are some things that you ought not wear. Because everything doesn't fit every body. Not not just everybody, every body. You understand? I know Fabletics is all the rage. I know everybody, Fabletics is being sold everywhere. They got their own stores now in the mall and everything, but everybody is not made. Everybody is not a Fabletic body. <laughs> Glory to God. I'm not going to walk around wearing a muscle shirt. Not yet. Hey, Tony, there's a day coming. There's a day coming now, but it's not yet. When that day gets here, I'll let y'all know. But you're not going to see Pastor at the park playing basketball with a muscle shirt on. I'm not there yet. That's not fitting for me. Right? See how y'all laughing? See how y'all laughing? All right. So watch what it says here. But immorality, sexual vice, okay, and all impurity of lustful, rich, wasteful living. That's rich, wasteful living. I'm talking about just being rich, talking about wasteful living. Or greediness must not even be named among you. Now let me just hold it, leave that there. Let me just read what, what the uh, 
New King James says, because words we understand. But fornication, do we know what fornication is? Yeah. Everybody know what fornication is? Let me, let me make sure I define it for you. It is, it is having a sexual relationship with anybody outside of a God-defined marriage. Okay? Godly, biblically defined marriage, okay? And all uncleanness or covetousness. Covetousness is greed. Wanting something that, that you, is not for you. Okay? He says, they must not even be named among you. It shouldn't be named like, that's so-and-so doing that? Or named among you. That's in that church? In the church? No, they've been washed and set apart. I mean, you hate to go back. I mean, I know some parents, you've done this before. When you go back and you told your child to wash the dishes, and you go back and check the dishes and there's still, still marks and spots on the dishes. You check the forks and like they just ran the fork under the water. They didn't actually wash it. Now they put it over there in the drain like it's clean, but it's, it's not. You got to wash that. And you make you mad because not yeah, you got to take it all out of the camp. Go, go wash everything again. Everything again. Go wash. Right? So in other words, once you and I have been washed, once you and I have been sanctified, these spots ought not be named among us. Glory to God. I'm not going to preach all this. I just want to give you just a preview here. This, this is what you'll see here. He says, as it's fitting, as it's fitting and proper among saints, God's consecrated people. Once, once the dishes have gone from the, from the dirty pile through the washing process into the clean, uh, set-apart pile, there ought not be things that we find on these dishes, on these. The Bible says in every house there are, there are great vessels. So we are considered vessels in God's house. So there ought not be things on our vessels or in our vessels that are on those vessels over there. Now, now, this, 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 I'm trying to make it plain because it's 2018 and it seems like we've like just we've we've let the Bible morph into what we wanted to make it because it's times have changed, but the word has not changed. God has not changed. And, and can I say this? And and the reason the word hasn't changed and God hasn't changed is because God knows us. He knows how he made us, he knows how he designed us, and he knows what's best for us. So any, any uh, thing that God put in place, what, what you might call a rule, or what you might call uh, a law, or what, what you might call these thou shalt not, anything he put in place is not because he was trying to keep us from having fun. It's because he's trying to protect us from what comes with those things. You got it? Just like, for example, for example, uh, the law, the, the, law, the Mosaic law, says that we shouldn't eat um, uh, fish without, that doesn't have scales, uh, talk is, uh, especially about shellfish. So crabs, lobster, shrimp, scallops, mussels, all this kind of stuff. The law said we shouldn't eat it. How many of y'all eat that stuff? Praise God. Why? Because we're no longer under the law. Right? So we can now eat those things with thanksgiving. Right? However, your doctor will tell you that you eat too much of that stuff 
that's why your cholesterol rises. That's why inflammation in your body rises because of what's in those foods. Do you think God knew that already? Yes, that's why he said for his people not to eat it. So although you can now, you have to make sure you, okay, I don't, do, I don't indulge in that too much. I mean, that's, that's right. God made honey. And honey is good and good for you. But the Bible says don't eat too much of it when you find it. Because God knows how he made us. So when it comes to these sins, these activities, it's not that God doesn't want you to have uh, fun. I'm going to just leave it at that. I'm just trying, trying to say a word. Say a word, I, I got to watch who I, you know, my audience. Not that God doesn't want you to have fun, but there's a prescribed way to have as much fun as you want. Hebrews 13 verse 4 says, marriage is honorable and the bed is undefiled. So in the marriage bed, hey, but outside the biblically defined marriage bed, no. Y'all got it? Tell your neighbor, God wants you to have fun. God wants you to enjoy life. But you got to do it his way. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. All right, let me just finish reading this and then I'll, I'll quit. I'll stop, okay? Um, <laughs> y'all stop. <laughs> We're still in church. All right, Hebrews, I mean... Ephesians 5, 3, okay, let's go to verse, verse 4, verse 4, verse 4. All right, now, so that's activities. Oh, sorry, go back to verse 3. Verse 3 is about, all about those activities there, right? Sexual vice, impurity, greediness, all those kind of actions. But look at verse 4, verse 4. Let there be no filthiness, obscenity, indecency, nor foolish and sinful, silly and corrupt talk. Now, this isn't, this isn't talking now about what you do. This is talking about how we speak nor coarse jesting, which are, here it is again, not fitting or becoming. But instead, voice your thankfulness to God. Now, I'm not out of time, or I am out of time, but I'm not out of message here. I, there are a lot of things I want to share with you, and I'll, I'll, I'll share them as we go next week. Will y'all come back next week? Yes. Don't take next week off. Go to Disney World. Because uh, we're, we're here, when I say we're talking about the Holy Ghost and me, we are here to help you. First of all, he's helping me. Because trust me, before I preach to you, guess what? He's already preaching to me. Fix your mouth, boy. He's talking to me. Okay? So I got to deal with it and process everything before I bring it to you. So uh, trust me, I'm not trying to pick on anybody. That's not how the Holy Ghost works. He doesn't pick on people. But he is here to pick us up. Isn't that good? So we'll talk about this next week. We'll get into this about putting away not just how we act, changing how we act as saints, but how we talk as saints. And we're going to see the fruit that comes out of that. Amen? Amen. So you want to wear what fits. Amen? You want to put on what is, you know, certain body types are... are, are there are clothing, there's clothing that's appropriate for body types and body shapes. There are hairstyles, and the hairstyles in here, that, that are appropriate 
for facial shapes. Right? Any makeup artist, you know there are certain things you do to certain faces that don't work on other faces. It's just not, not that you're something wrong with you, it's just your face is different. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. A lot of those products come out, they're not, uh, some of them aren't for our race. Come on now. I don't mean like they don't like our race. I mean the way they're designed, they're fit. It's just, you know. You, man, y'all got it. <clears throat> I, I think, I, I didn't get as far as I wanted to get, but I think I know we dealt with this love area here. It had to be dealt with. Because that's first and foremost fitting for the saints. That you and I are to be walking demonstrations and examples for the world of what real love looks like. Our marriages ought to be the marriages that everybody look to. Our families and how our families live ought to be the ones that everybody in the, in the community looks to and say, wow, that's how it is. When they see a community outreach, that's what they ought to see and say, that's what love looks like. Because that's what's fitting for the saints. Amen? Now, again, what happened? He sanctified us having cleansed us, having washed us. So we're already washed. We're already cleansed. And then he sets us apart unto himself. Make, he makes us holy. Uh, God said this in the Old Testament, and then Peter comes along and said, repeats it in his epistles. He says, be ye holy for I am holy. So we're to be holy because God is holy. We're to be holy not to make ourselves something. We're to be holy because God is holy. We're made in his image and his likeness. We are his children, born again of the seed of his word. So you and I are commanded and called by God to be holy even as he is holy. So we ought to live like God lives. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So don't take God. You know you're the temple of the, of the living God, right? So don't put God in some circumstances. That's, that's how you got to start seeing it. If you're the temple of the living God and God lives in you, stop putting God in freaky places. I'll come over here. Stop putting God in dark situations. You're carrying the spirit of the living God on the inside of you. So let him lead, be your leader. Let him show you what's right. Amen. Let him guide you every day. And this is the course, and we'll get into it next week, how you can be a successful Christian successful Christian. Amen? And God will use you. Anybody in this room you, today, you're in this place, you've heard this word, perhaps you came to this place already with this thought in your mind that you're not born again and you want to become part of the family of God. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you that you become part of God's family, that you get born again. God, Jesus Christ, the Bible says, he saves to the uttermost. That means that he'll take, he'll take somebody, I don't care if you came in this place 
and your, your rap sheet would roll down from the front door to this, to this platform. It doesn't matter to God. And the Bible says he saves to the uttermost. He'll wipe all that out. He'll forgive. He'll wash. He'll make you clean. He'll sanctify you. And you'll be, a, as the Bible says, a new creation, a new creature in Christ Jesus. And so you're, not, you're never too far off to be saved. But at the same time, no one in, in here is good enough that they don't need to be saved. But we're not saved for any goodness of our own. We're saved because we received the uh, sacrificial work of Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross. So let's bow our heads today. We're going to pray. Father, I pray for those today who've heard the word, everyone in the sound of my voice, and even those who are watching electronically will do so for years to come, that, Lord, the word that has been shared has penetrated their hearts and it produces in them the life you sent it to produce. I pray, Father, that, Lord, that the word has even shaken us up in some way, challenged us, challenged how we think, challenged how we live, challenged some things we believe, that, God, that when we, when we hear that kind of word, that we repent, we change how we think, and we believe the gospel, we believe the good news, that Jesus Christ gave himself for our sins, gave himself for our salvation, gave himself so that we could have this new life. And Father, I pray that each person who's, who, who hears this word, that they make quality decisions, quality decisions to walk away from anything that defiles anything that would, would make us unclean in any way. Anything, Father, that, 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 that resembles that old lifestyle, that other lifestyle that we had. Thank you, Lord. We know we were those things, but we've been washed and sanctified and justified. So I pray today that each person would move on to perfection. Move on to that Mark for the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus, that we'll not just be Christians in name only, but Father, our lives would be Christ-like. Because we know in this world that, God, we may be the only Jesus that people see. We may be the only word that people will ever read. Let our lives be a living epistle read by all men. And people will know that there is a God that it's you and you're the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and that he's the Savior of the world today. We bless you, we honor you, we thank you for the word. We receive it now with thanksgiving, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right, anybody in this room, you're not born again, you say, Pastor.